Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. My name is James, joined as always by my co-host, Alex. What up? And our regular recurring guest, none other than the Ryan Williams himself. Honored to be here as usual, gentlemen. We are coming to you shortly following Everton's 5-2 dismantling. You could call it just a straight-up victory of West Bromwich Albion. A interesting match to say the least. A lot, a lot happened. That is my uh that's my top-level analysis. Throw it over to Alex. Why don't you go first with your instant match reaction? I'm super excited, right? Five goals for the Toffees is excellent. A hat trick for Dominic Calvert-Lewin is always good. First career in the the, uh, top flight, or professionally, actually, let me rephrase that. But it was an odd kind of up and down performance. Nonetheless, two games, two wins to start the season. Can't be anything but happy. What about you, Ryan? It's strange to be on the other side of where quality kind of sees you out. You know what I mean? Uh, right. What a strange, strange game. I mean, it's just totally bizarre. I mean, I know we're going to go through kind of the roller coaster of emotions. I, I felt like we were going to win the match the whole time. It was more just shaking your head like, what the heck is going on? But um, yeah, hey, you know, 5-2 it was nice to be, like I said, on the other end, a couple individuals, some supreme quality plays and made the difference. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting what you just said, Ryan, that you felt like we were going to win the match the whole time. Uh, but let's revisit that shortly. Let's start things off because most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I can. I think I can. I think, yeah, so right. Early kickoff on the East Coast. Uh, I said this earlier, but bless the West Coast toffees waking up at 430 a.m. to watch. Uh, fortunately, the the boys gave them something to be excited about, something worth waking up for. But early kickoff. 6.30 a.m. lineups drop, and we see Carlo Ancelotti, as expected, stick with the same 11 that started against Spurs last weekend. Uh, the only change was Theo Walcott loses his spot on the bench to none other than Ryan's best friend, Alex Awobi. Alex, what would you, you make of the, the lineup? I was, like, I was like, are you waiting for me to comment on that? What are yeah, you talking no, about? My fault. My fault. <laughs> no, Alex, go. <laughs> I... Th- I th- as you said, it, it was exactly what was expected. I felt good about it because I don't necessarily think you change a winning team, specifically the, the first match against Tottenham. It wasn't an amazing performance, but it was a really good one to start. So I, I don't think it warranted it necessarily. The midweek match was good. It got a lot of other guys time that necessarily might not have otherwise. Um, but otherwise, solid selection. And I think he was vindicated by his decision in the end. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, I, it, it was okay. I mean, I, I don't think the way we set up was problematic, but I don't think the, and if the other guys aren't ready to go, I, I still maintain that someone like Alex Sawobi might be better against a team like this that's going to sit back. But as it turns out, they attacked pretty aggressively. So um, not that Andre did a whole lot, but it was probably the right decision. Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, we talked midweek about how we expected West Brom to kind of sit back and, and obviously play in a low block and really try to stymie anything creative that Everton would try to do. But I was actually quite surprised with, with how aggressively they kind of came out uh, out of the gate and looked, looked to kind of get on the front foot, so to speak. And it kind of really, the, the nerves really hit in like the first opening seconds when we tried to play it back. 
Yeri Mina plays a really awkward ball back to Jordan Pickford, who awkwardly clears it then. And West Brom actually end up getting a shot on goal, which Pickford recovers and makes a good save. But then shortly after, we shoot ourselves in the foot. We are pushing up really aggressively. We have Allen making a pass to James. Uh, Allen kind of loses his positioning, gets sucked a little far forward. And I know, Ryan, you'll talk about Seamus Coleman's positioning and we'll go to you after this, but Seamus was up really high as well. It goes to Diagna who intercepts the pass and just has all the space in the world to bring the ball forward, makes probably a 40, 50 yard run. Only Yeri Mina really around him, Allen tracking back, trying to recover, but Mina fails to really pressure the, the ball carrier. And as a result, we're down one nil. Yeah, I don't know what it's tough because should should Yeri have tried to close him down earlier? Um, yeah, I don't know if he didn't know he had support behind him. But, you know, again, the whole setup, and I think one of the reasons why they got on the front foot the whole time was because Seamus Coleman was playing so high up, and that's fine. But then where's the support? So poor Yeri's sitting there on an island the whole time, and he wasn't great today, no question. Yeri was not great. I mean, he was good with the ball for the most part, other than the first, you know, minute. Um, there's no one out there. Now, eventually, as the game went on, you saw Allen and DeCorey in particular um, start to slide back that way and play with a little more discipline. But I, I don't know what was going on there. There were several, several times, several big chances, and we're going to get through them, where Sheamus is simply playing too high. Sometimes it was tactical. He's playing too high. And you could see Billick set him up very intelligently to just go left side, left side, up the up pitch, up the pitch, and take advantage of that. It, there were just, it took us too long to adjust. Boy, you'd really hope that our defensive mids would rotate around and adjust a little more quickly. But hey, man, these guys haven't played that much together. Uh, but that was pretty frustrating in a discipline, you know, disappointing 15, 20 minutes when it just that's all they had. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that was frustrating. But yeah, so it's a little on Yeri on that one, too. Maybe there was a lack of communication. Pretty good shot, though. I mean, you got to give him a little bit credit. I mean, he did. He did pull the trigger from about the 18 when he had a one on one. So. It's a shame, but you had a feeling you'd get him back. I mean, one goal is not the end of the world against a team that doesn't play great defense. That's absolutely fair. And see, I'm sitting there at 7.45 a.m. Eastern time at that point, you know, texting my buddies saying, why does do I have to feel grumpy at 7.45 a.m.? It's not even 8 a.m. Eastern time and I'm already pissed off, yep. right? But as you said, there's always that feeling based on kind of the the sparks we saw against Tottenham, especially just professionally to close it out one nil. And then also positive things over the weekend, or I mean, excuse me, midweek. It, it kind of felt like we definitely had an opportunity to get a foothold in the match. And, and as you said, Seamus was pushed up high, but then we saw as we kind of progressed over the next 10, 15, 20 minutes and started pushing for an equalizer, we saw a lot of action on the right-hand side. Obviously, was that because Seamus was, push was pushed up so high? I'm not sure. But he was swinging in quite a few good crosses um, midway through the first half. They were also yeah. overloaded, too. I mean, it's worth mentioning. I mean, they had, you know, five or six guys right. on that side all the way over, maybe one person deep to the right. So that, that was a, it was intentionally tactical. The fact that we didn't swing enough people over there to match their numbers was disappointing, I thought. I mean, I, I'm James, I know, I know we've already you probably feel the same way, but, um, you know, you, you got to do something about that. We didn't react very well. No, we didn't. And, and even after the goal, like. 
we'll talk about, of course, what happened right around halftime, but we really weren't that convincing. There was a lot of, and as you said, a lot of it was tactical, Ryan, but a lot of it was just poor execution, I think, on the part of the players. Like the fluidity and cohesion that we saw in the midfield against Spurs was largely absent. There was a lot of misplaced passes, a lot of kind of weird spacing things where we weren't able to find open players. Uh, not quite the same level of aggressiveness, I didn't think. Um, nonetheless, you know, we, we go on another 20 or so minutes after West Brom score and here comes the equalizer. We, it's, it's an actually a really nice little give and go Seamus to Decore back to Seamus. He puts the cross in and Richarlison, we think gets a piece of it. Then Calvert Lewin back heels it in, gets called offside only to go to VAR Everton's supposed worst enemy. If you listen to and you followed us at all last season and miraculously it turns out it hit off furlong and dcl's onside and we're equal at one one all so that was a unexpected and refreshing uh change of narrative for the toffees in that situation i thought it was the best example of of good use of the ar um i, I still wish he went to the screen but because that's one where there's no way the line can see that. And I think everyone just assumed it hit off Richarlison. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's just how you would have thought, but it didn't. It absolutely didn't. And the goal should have counted. And it was the right usage of the AR and, and it counted. I feel bad for the line because, I mean, hopefully when he was talking to Mike Dean, he's saying, I I assumed it hit him, you know, um, fortunate. Uh, but, you know, we had we had some fortune today, so I'll take it. I mean, who knew, though, DCL was going to put in a few few later that definitely made me feel a lot better about it um and then we started i mean you know, our touches were off a little bit then we started to grow into the game a little bit and uh then the quality really started to uh shine through from our lovely colombian i think and before you go alex i just want to add that before that that first goal west brom did hit the post so it very very nearly was two nil at which point i think we all would have felt uh a lot less confident about our opportunities, but the, when it's one all with plenty of match left, I think everyone got a little bit of a lift af- off that. Yeah. And by the way, we give Gilieri a little bit of credit on that one. Cause he had the guy who cut backwards, carried him and then stopped to come back and make the play. Seamus just stood at the guy. I, I don't understand. That's just, God, that was bad. I mean, that yeah, could have been two nil, no question about it, but you know, green rides to the top gentlemen. There you go. Yeah. After equalizing, it felt like we were being more aggressive, We wanted to try to go one up before half to make it 2-1. Next thing you know, you see a ball flying towards the left. Richie kind of knocks it down intelligently. You see Gomez creating a pick like it's the NBA. Next thing you know, James gets it in, into his feet, takes one touch. Bam, bottom right-hand corner. James (laughs) Rodriguez announces himself with his first goal in the Premier League. And it's 2-1 to the Toffees right before halftime. It's a really, really quality finish, and it's a finish we've seen from Hamas Rodriguez, of course, numerous times for Real Madrid, for Bayern Munich. That's where his bread and butter is right in the middle of the pitch, right at the top of the 18. He is absolutely lethal. And really, Richarlison does, does a very good job of maintaining possession and making that that penetra- penetrative run in to lay it off to him. And Hamas, as soon as he gets it, you just know there's only one thing that's going to happen and he is just his left foot. And it's been said numerous times, it's a wand man and he is capable of magic with it. And he was uh, spot on perfectly placed in the bottom corner. Keeper had no chance whatsoever. And, and we're up just before half. And then 
immediately following the kickoff, <laughs> the madness, the madness ensues. So obviously West Brom, you know, passing it around. There was a bizarre, bizarre, like Kieran Gibbs passes it back. Hamas kind of bumps him. Kieran Gibbs turns around and basically assaults Hamas. Like practically, a, it was practically a sucker punch. If I saw the replay correctly, it was totally out of line. Uh, Hamas falls, flails, and rolls over a couple of times for good measure. And Kieran Gibbs is sent off with a straight red card. Yes, Hamez showing his uh, Colombian flair to draw a little bit. I mean, he milked it a little bit, but you can't do that. I mean, he knew what he was doing by going a little late to him and kind of scuffing him a little bit. But why on earth would you turn and like, did he like try and claw him there or something? I, I don't know what that was, but yeah, he definitely could have poked him in the eye. It was just really dumb. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking. It totally killed him. And then, and then Billick, who was flipping out, told him, it was uh, the one thing I have liked about not having the crowds there, which is the only thing to like about it, because otherwise that would have been awesome today, was you could hear Billick yelling the whole time. Uh, you could hear a lot of things being said, and uh, you could tell he, I mean, he just flipped out and walked, you know, with Mike Dean the whole way off the field, got red carded himself. I mean, it was just pandemonium. All our guys were yelling at Gibbs as he walking off. I mean, what the heck? Why do that, man? You totally killed your team. It was so dumb. It was really stupid. And I almost wonder if that was like a, a culmination of other stuff that had been happening kind of uh, away from the, the watchful eye of everyone on TV. Because to react in that way, to you, you can't put your hands on a player's face. And he sh it's like a shoving motion. I exaggerated it earlier. But he does put the hands to the face. Hamas falls over and rolls. It seems like that's a really bizarre overreaction if it's just kind of a bump after he makes a pass. So I, I don't know if that's the case, but that it kind of strikes me as like a, uh, again, like multiple incidents. And this was kind of, he'd had an, Kieran Gibson had enough and decides to finally lash out. And to be fair, Evertonians, I mean, we've been yearning for another player that is not afraid to kind of go and create a little bit of chaos to get a little bit of a reaction. It doesn't feel like, um, players in recent times have had the cojones, if you will, to go and make a, kind of a nuisance of themselves and see if they can get a call. I mean, the same thing kind of happened in reverse to Richarlison a year or two ago against, I want to say, Brighton, maybe, in which he kind of nudged his head forward a little bit. But that one, you know, Richarlison was, what, 21 years old, not 30 and, and, and in the same situation. It's just dumb either way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's just, yeah, totally. I, I just... What are you doing, and the, man? And the billet reaction also is is so interesting because again, you can hear the interaction between him and Mike Dean, and he comes in and you can see his body language, like he's just it seems like he wants to genuinely have a conversation, but like so many professional referees, and I think partic in particular Premier League referees, they have such that they're just so much holier than thou. They have this attitude. And so Mike Dean's not having any of that. So he says, you need to leave, you need to leave. And, and Slavin, I think was basically saying he should have gone to the screen for, uh, uh, to look at the red yeah. card infraction, maybe, yeah. which yeah. to be fair is reasonable. I still yeah. think it's a straight red, but it is a little bit soft. Like, the way Hamas exaggerated it was almost comical, but I love it at the same time. And Mike Dean's just not having anything from, from Billich. And so he gets more and more frustrated. I heard, uh, I thought I heard that he said he was going to F Mike Dean up. I may have misheard that. I <laughs> no, I hope so. That would be great. Especially the way he talks and stuff. Oh my God. He's You're huge right. too, man. I would not I know. 
Former Everton player. Yeah, seriously, man, it's a red card. You should go look at it. I mean, that's that's I mean, is he that confident? I that's I don't understand that. You know what I mean? The job of the VAR guy should be, and in the same way with our goal, should be, hey, I think you should take a look at it. It's supposed to be an assistant. It doesn't make the definitive call. That that really right. that bothers me. Like when you change the call too. It's always got to be the subjective interpretation of the head ref. You, uh, you don't have multiple people providing multiple levels of subjectivity, in my opinion. It's got to be the center guy. Yeah, why would you not go to it and look at it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's just an unusual situation. And I think, of course, West Brom will, will have felt hard done by it. And I think as Evertonians, we can be a little bit empathetic to Bilic's plight, having been, I think, bit. the only other club to have their manager red carded in a match. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's in good company with Carlo Ancelotti. They'll probably, um, I don't know if they shook hands after the match, but Carlo probably would have said, you know, I know how it feels. It's okay. He'll, he'll bounce back. But. <laughs> See how quiet Carlo was all the time. He's just not, I'm not looking over there. I'm not looking over there. I want nothing to do with this. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. it's going to happen. <laughs> it's like, I know this Dean guy. Nope, nope. Not going to say anything. <laughs> so oh, well, then- good for us. <laughs> We go into the locker room at half facing the prospect of an entire full 45 facing a team that is a man down and a manager down. And I think the the team talk by Carlo at halftime would have been along the lines of let's go out and just batter them because, you know, we looked, I don't, I wouldn't say we looked far the better side, much the better side in the first half, but you'd have to think that it stands to reason that with the quality we have on the pitch that we could run riot on them in the second half. And I guess we ended up doing just that. Are you saying we didn't do that? We didn't come out and just batter them right away? Is that did, did I miss something? Is that not what happened? No, that's exactly what happened. That's but I'm just saying Carlo said that and then the team executed on it. So I no mean, meaning as a, we came right out of the second half and we gave up a freaking goal is my right, point. Like, right. Way to go, guys. Way to be really focused and gave up a chance pretty early too. I mean, I yeah, just that was a little mind boggling. I thought a little unfortunate though, honestly. Well, like it, it's the same thing with the first goal, and and we'll throw it to Alex after this, but the. The free kick, both goals were really well taken to to be fair to West Brom. And the free kick goal is, is True. we shouldn't have conceded a foul there, but the free kick is excellently taken. Really top bins, nothing Pickford can do about it. But yeah, that was a, a bit of a gut check because obviously two all, you have to think that it, they can try to make things really compact and difficult for us. And, and Everton, of course, have historically found it so difficult to break down those sorts of teams. So at two all, I was a little bit nervous. How'd you feel about it, Alex? It was interesting because in the Spurs match on Everton Twitter, or after the Spurs match, excuse me, um, there were a lot of good pieces, graphics, talk about what David Ancelotti has been doing with our team on defensive set pieces. And we saw a different setup against Spurs and everyone's raving about it. And the next thing you know, we're sitting here with a direct free kick. We've got, I think, four bodies in the wall, one being Yeri Mina, and either only two or three of them jumped. So essentially, nobody was on the same page as to whether they were going to jump or not jump. Now, this is from the commentators. This is not my personal knowledge. According to them, that should be Jordan Pickford's job to clearly communicate what you're supposed to do. But if you look that, at this replay... How does he right? know that? You know, how do those guys know that? Beats, just beats me. Beats me. That's why I had to cite it, Ryan. But nonetheless... Yeah, fair. You know, you know, but if you look really closely, that ball barely fizzes off the top of Yerimina's head and all he did was get up on his tippy toes, you know? And so you start to feel like, are we pulling an Everton, right? Like, why did Yeri not jump? If if he just got up off the, off the ground one inch, would it be different? 
And it was a little bit frustrating to come out of the second half. As, as you said, James, you're sitting here thinking like, let's wrap it up. Let's go out, batter them, get a good amount of time out on the pitch, and then maybe make some subs. And, and you're just kind of confused at two all. For that one, I'm sorry. I mean, either I, I don't see how that's necessarily the keep. What? Think about how dumb that would be. It, seriously, if it's the keeper's call. Like to me, what it is, is tactically, you know, the history of the guy taking the free kicks, you know, where he prefers to go, things like that. You know what I mean? Does he ever go low? I don't look, trust me. I've done a lot of opposition analysis stuff where I've watched free kicks for hours on end and wanted to poke my eyeballs out. I might add, but you know, you know, if a team has tendencies to all leap or not, because I've seen people take advantage of it. Sometimes if you're really that concerned about it, you'd lay someone on the ground or do something like that. So I, I think. Yes, I think the problem, Alex, is you hit it. It was inconsistent. Some people jumped and some people did. Frankly, DeCorey jumped and had his hands extended. Like, what are you doing, dude? Um, that was that was even more. And I, you know how much I love DeCorey. Uh, but yeah, so I, I don't. What, what are the announcers talking about? Like, how do they even know that? Do they really think? Do they really think spontaneously? Jordan Pickford is bringing out his pocket protector and going to the and and making a call on how he set up against a direct free kick. Come on, that's absolutely ridiculous. I don't buy that for a second. Regardless, it's a goal, right? So, so it's a little and nervy. A great yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It really kick. is. Oh, it, it's nasty. fantastic. Well, we shouldn't be giving up free kicks in that position anyway. But nonetheless, you know, we we continue on through the match, and fortunately, we didn't have to uh, sit on our hands and be nervous for too long because just seven minutes later, we score our third. It's a another set piece, Luca, Luca Dean free kick into the box. Richarlison has a a free header, and it looked like. West Brom were employing some zonal marking there because Richarlison was completely unmarked. And the two front guys, the guys sitting on the front post, both look to go play the ball straight up. And it gets over both of them. Richarlison has a free header. He hits it right at the keeper. Deflection, a a pretty good save to be fair, but it falls to the feet of apparently might be up amongst our leading goal scorers this season at this rate, uh, Michael Keane, who taps it in. And it is 3-2 to the Toffees. I was going to say, Michael Keane's making a habit nowadays, and I say that, I guess, the last, what, like four days of scoring for the Toffees, and he looked pretty good in defense, too. It's nice to see, you know, it was kind of funny because you feel like you see Richarlison latching on to a cross. It might be a guaranteed goal. I think he scored more headers last season. Don't quote me, but I think he scored more headers last season than he did with one or the other foot, too. But fantastic reaction time by Michael Keane to put us up, and like you said, Smooth sailing from there. Keane was awesome on set pieces today. I mean, initially they were throwing, uh, I think they had Ajay on on Mina, especially early. And they were kind of, at one point, Yeri had like two or three people on his back. Fine, go ahead. Because, I mean, I, I, look, I love Yeri Mina in the air. He's dangerous. But, I mean, Michael Keane is every bit as good, if not more accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was a beast on set pieces. Almost every single time in there, he was dangerous. I mean, Dom was too. Um it is so nice to have so many people that can just absolutely smooth the ball in there. From one side, you got Dean, and the other side, you got Hamez. I mean, you got to be kidding me, man. It's mm. especially when those two are in there. I mean, maybe they're not the best combination in terms of open play defense, Yeri and, and Michael Keane, but no one. I mean, who the heck would want to deal with those guys and Dominic Calvert Lewin in there? And you got a couple other big guys like Andre and Decore and Richie, we know is good in the air. I mean, you wonder why we're scoring a lot off set pieces. That's it right there, man. I mean, you can have all the tactics in the world when you have that kind of talent and that ability to get in the air and finish and just fight. You know, those guys are tough. It's good. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to defend that. So, I mean, great. It's it's a feather in our cap. So the more and more free set pieces we get, better chances, I think. 
Brian, I'm I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. You stole my talking point directly out from under my feet. I was just going to say having Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Michael Keane, and Yuri Mina on set pieces and corners, absolute matchup nightmare for teams trying to defend that. Like those are four top tier elite headers of the ball. And so that I, you know, we, we were, we're now in a, in a spot where we're scoring more regularly off of set pieces and conceding, uh, less often today, kind of being the exception, obviously giving up the free kick, but it really makes things, it makes our ability to be, to be flexible with what we're trying on set pieces. We can do so many True. more diverse things. It, uh, I think we're going to be giving some, some back lines, real nightmares with our ability to, to score goals in the air. In my defense, um, for those who don't think we prepare for the show and just kind of go off the cuff, that was not in the notes. So I, you, you can't, you can't blame me for that. <laughs> it's okay. All right. No, it's just great minds think alike oh, more than God, anything. We're else. the bloody geniuses, you know. No question about it. We get yeah. everything right, mm-hmm. right, Alex? Right, me and James all the time. Thomas, everything right? Yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And and you know, at, right. at this point in time, right? At this point in time in the match, at three two. I think it's just a good feeling for all Everton fans because you know that we've just now battled essentially twice in the match. Well, I guess three times, right? To go from, no, I'm lying. You guys weren't nervous though? I mean, like you weren't like, I mean, do you guys feel pretty confident? We're we're up a guy. We should smooth sailing, you think? At 3-2. At 3-2, yes. I mean, yeah, I guess I did too. But I mean, I, I didn't really foresee the explosion in the next, you know, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, so let's get into that. Uh, so then, of course, just a few short minutes later, we have none other than the Colombian sensation with about as good of a lobbed through oh, ball as you're going to see in the world. Thing. I mean, it is on an on a dime, man. I mean, it is gorgeous on to Richie. And you can see, like, Richarlison practically licking his lips as it's falling onto his foot. And he's, he hits it in... Initially, I thought it was going to be on target. Upon replay, it looked like it was going wide. And Calvert-Lewin, of course, then being in the great position that he was, being aware of of positioning, is waiting there at the far post to tap it in. And then it's 4-2, and the game's gone at that point. So it was was a really nice play by James, a a good touch by Richarlison, and then a really good read of the overall play by Dominic Calvert-Lewin to finish it off. Richie's starting to have good anticipation on those passes now, too. You know, James made an unbelievable through ball a little bit earlier to Dean. And and I mean, seeing eye, you thought it was going to get touched. Luca was, I think, a little shocked that it got through. But on this one... I was. I was too. I was like, is that going to get, I was like, oh my God. I mean, how nice is it to watch one of your players? I mean, there's, it's great to watch goal scorers and, and big, strong guys. And, and, but I mean, to watch a guy that just passes like him, it's just silky. It's just so great, man. And, uh, when that one went through, I was like, wow, really impressive. And then when he dropped that thing, it, it's just, he's just special. You know what I mean? Like it's, it is so hard in the run of play in a premier league game, the fastest league in the world. Just dr- to drop one and have it sit just like, I mean, you could talk about this. I, I could talk about it, at least no one wants to hear me, but uh, all day. I mean, just sits up soft, perfect weight, right distance. I mean, Richie almost couldn't fumble it. And, I, you know, he he made a great play on it. I mean, it was just so when you saw that one, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm glad we signed that guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to highlight Richarlison here. I mean, James, obviously, you said, I mean, excuse me, James, you obviously said 
that you did highlight his nice touch, but like just the, the, the IQ and, and the, the intelligence to make the run, right? As you said, Ryan, like he's anticipating the pass from James Rodriguez, which we know is not necessarily the easiest thing to do if you're not used to playing with that sort of quality, right? Like with a player that reads the game so quickly, makes decisions quickly. Um, I think we talked about it maybe last week, but right when, his, right when James picks his head up, you have to be either running or coming, right? You have to make a decision then. And so I think it's really interesting and and very good to see that although maybe Richarlison hasn't been amongst the goals just yet this season, he's making those runs and he's connecting well with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and he is obviously ready to play with James Rodriguez. Yeah, you both touched on it, but it really, <clears throat> excuse me, and I do think that there were still still some passes that James tried that would have been outstanding had his teammates been able to anticipate it better. And that's just going to click more and more. You know, we talk about these players have only been together for two weeks. As they continue to play more together, they're going to become more familiar. And I think we're going to see, I mean, it seems crazy to say, but like a handful of those just jaw-dropping, perfectly weighted passes from Hamas per game. And the team is going to continue to be able to read his and anticipate his movement and passing better. So that's definitely something to look out for. But it really is a pleasure to watch a player with so much quality and, and ability to read the game the way that he does. And and again, you know, we talk about the a few short minutes later. So that was the that was four two, and then in the sixty six minute, Hamas puts in a corner kick, and Dominic Calvert Lewin has his hat trick with a really nice header into the top corner. That's a great finish. Yeah, I mean, it it, it just yeah, it was a great finish. Um, like quite a few of the other ones, to be honest. I mean, that back heel pass, I mean, that back heel finish was sick too, but it just felt like it was destined to happen, the hat trick today. And I think it's really positive. I mean, let's, let's throw that accolade on top of the other big things to be excited about this season, right? We've got two matches and two wins. Dominic Calvert Lewin with a hat trick. Um, what is that? Four, four goals and two matches. League's top scorer, at least before some of the other matches today. And so I think we're seeing that Dominic Calvert Lewin is, is ready to go this season, hopefully surpassing his goal tally for last season too. And I've said this so many times and people get a little miffed about it, but you know, I know maybe he doesn't look like a clinical finisher. I get that, but there's something to be said. It's just as important to get yourself in the right spots to score. And he's tall. He can jump. He's fantastic in the air. His anticipation is decent and his athleticism is outstanding. And those things combined and the work to go along with it and using those skills to get himself in dangerous positions, that's worth a lot. So, okay, maybe he won't exceed his expected goals number or whatever, maybe seem like a clinical finisher. You know who else doesn't? Mo Salah. But he gets himself in really good, dangerous positions and his teammates find him and they're doing the same thing with Dom. And I mean, look, like, like you said on set pieces, he's deadly. But yeah, man, he works. I will say this too. I don't even think Dom had a great game other than the goals, which I mean, how the heck do you say that? His yeah. job is to score. His holdup play, I thought was bad. His touches were not so okie dokie, but darn it. You know, you work hard up there and you have quality behind you who are going to give you enough chances. I mean, Dom missed a wide open header earlier, but hey, he was in the right position many other times to create and score and, and darn, he didn't. And you know what? Richarlison has been fantastic, honestly. I know he's not scoring. By the way, I know he was offsides, but how redonkulous oh was the one-time yeah. right-footed shot from the bomb from City? I mean, right in the upper 90, completely smoked. I, I, when they played it back, I was like, please be onside. Please be onside. Because that was, I mean, it was insane. The keeper just kind of was like, no. 
that's not going to boom. What? Yeah, that was incredible. I mean, he's, you know, he's going to score. I mean, he just is. He looks so dangerous right now. I mean, every time James cuts in and you see Richie making a run, you're like, he knows, he knows, Alex, to your point. He knows someone can put it right on his foot. I mean, it's just, man, I'll, I'll tell you, if we can get some danger wide on James's other side and drop him a little bit deeper so he sees a little bit more of the ball, I mean, oh, dude, we, we've got something for sure. Um, we had something today, too. It was a little bit sloppy. But yeah, the quality, you saw it in those key moments. Um, but yeah, I just want to play, I mean, the little lob ball chip he had though on the fourth goal i just, I just want to play that over and over again really that thing was just i just it's so good so good yeah it was nice to have like the you'd be able to chance to kind of sub some guys into and and get them acclimated it's good to see my boy alex come in and and get some minutes i don't know what the point of of putting siggy in was but i guess andre didn't i mean I, andre didn't do much frankly today at all uh, and frankly the second goal was more his fault because he got bypassed no surprise there yeah, it'll be interesting how we set up going forward, uh, but that was nice to be able to get Moise Keen in the game too. Yeah, and I just want to circle back to the conversation about, I mean, Dominic Calvert-Lewin and I guess our, our front line as a whole, because the, the biggest criticism of Calvert-Lewin has always been that he, he doesn't score goals. And today, our front line, Richarlison has five shots, Calvert-Lewin has six shots, Hamas has six shots, 17 shots, that's that's all of our shots for the match. So you look at that. And we're create finally our midfield is able to create chances. And, and to your point that you mentioned at the end there, Ryan, like the midfield overall today wasn't nearly as impressive as I thought they were against Spurs, but we're still able to create chances for our front line. And if Richard, if those players are getting that many shots, it probably won't happen every single week, but we, we have shown a clear improvement in our ability to get those guys involved. If those guys are getting three or even a handful, three or four shots a game. You're going to see goals from that there's just no way these guys are too talented not to not to see a return on that that amount of offense right and to your point i saw a a stat floating around everton twitter as we like to call it earlier and i believe they're saying that we've amassed about 64 shots in our first three matches of the season right the two premier league matches and then the midweek match um, against Salford City, and what what a difference that is compared to compared to essentially more recent seasons, right? Especially right, like a couple a couple seasons ago with Sam Allardyce, oh, or even name. honestly, his name. He said <laughs> it. He or said even it. The, <laughs> this is a conversation. <laughs> I'm showing you what darkness is. Um, oh, I've seen it. I've we seen all it seen firsthand. It. We've looked into the. You want to talk Ancelotti? Chasm. I want to talk Big Sam. All right. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, I think to your point, overall, we have seen um, a more efficient midfield. Although we like to crit- critique them over the last couple weeks, um, even even when they're not even close to at their best. Ryan said it perfectly at the beginning of the episode. Quality shines through, and we're creating chances across the pitch, creating opportunities to take shots. And it's only going to be, I think, positive moving forward. Cream rises to the top, baby. Woo! I just can't believe you brought that guy's name. It's like the Knights who say knee, 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 knee. Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> we are no longer the Knights who say knee. We are Carlos Knights. And uh, yes. yeah, and battling every week. So uh, let's hopefully we uh, show up and probably have a whole different 11 again to play midweek. <laughs> yeah. And just one last word. I did think, you know. The, the substitutes were good. It was good to see Alex Awobi uh, return and get some some minutes. I mean, he looked okay. I didn't think he looked mm. amazing or anything mm. like that. But again, still trying to feel his way back into the side. And, and Gilfie Sigurdsson, 
again, not great, but his performance midweek, I, I don't think we maybe talked about it enough on the post-match because I think there's there's definitely people who are kind of just have written off his Everton career, but he does look a better player, or at least more motivated than he has in, in recent times with this new midfield. He knows he's going to have to really work hard to get his way back to even have a be within, you know, an arm's length of getting into this side. So I think, I think the, the optimism, uh, if you weren't already hyped up for this Everton season, I think after today, you know, top of the league, uh, hard not to be really optimistic about what's to come. And, and what's next, of course, is a midweek clash with Joey Barton's Fleetwood Town. Yeah, I think there was a lot today that I saw that I was a little bit like kind of frustrated with. But, you know, it, it's just how it is when you have a bunch of guys that are kind of trying to feel each other out, you know, and understand how to play. And I, I, you're going to see that more way Carlo plays some some different tactics and some different different methods of play. And uh, it looked like he got a little aggressive on the right side. It took a while for the guys to adjust, but, um, you know, they did. And it is nice to have enough quality out there to to make the difference for sure. Well said. And folks, other than our episode coming to you post-match from the match against Fleetwood Town midweek, look out for our episode with the ESC, which is dropping on Monday. And also go to the Discord, too. I mean, we try and do match ratings and have some additional dialogue there uh, as well. You know, you get to see all sorts of fun, expected goal stats, things like that. Um, And we just continue on the conversation, too. We'd love to see you. Well said, gentlemen. Everyone listening, hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Again, as Alex said, stay tuned for our episode with the S dropping Monday. And until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.